Amen. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41 through verse number 44. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked, and he said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven Times And it came to pass that on the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not, that the rain stop thee not. I've preached from this passage of scripture before, but I never quite saw what the Lord showed me as I was preparing for this message tonight. And I want to share with you, I think that's a lot of what preaching and teaching is, is things that we're studying. The Lord reveals things to us and reveals it to me and I come and tell you what I've learned and what the Lord has spoken into my spirit. So I want to speak what the Lord spoke to me. And maybe the Lord just spoke it to me for me. Maybe it wasn't for you, but I got a feeling that the Lord spoke it to me first with intent to speak it to you. I want to speak to you for a little bit tonight on the subject hindered by provision. Hindered by Provision, Father, thank you tonight for this wonderful group of people that have gathered in your house. I pray, Lord, that our worship has been acceptable into your sight tonight. Lord, I thank you for the baptism we're going to be having here in just a little while. I pray, Lord, that maybe others may choose to join her tonight. I pray, Lord, for every person in the room that your word may speak to their heart and corporately, God, that your word would speak into every spirit and every life. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please be seated. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we read of Israel, and they were facing one of the worst droughts in their history. Interesting. We're singing about sin and the rain, and I'm preaching about this subject. The people had turned their attention to the idol worship of Baal. And they were, of course, needing rain in drought situations. It was the only answer for the problem. And the prophet of Elijah comes along, and he puts the prophet of Baal to a test. And he says, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And the prophets of Baal took up the challenge from the prophet Elijah. And uh, they, of course, were believing and praying to the false god of Baal. And they um, accepted the challenge. And uh, after accepting the challenge, uh, 
Uh, Elijah tells them to pour water on the sacrifice and on the wood. And of course, uh, we all know that that's not how you begin to build a fire. Uh, but they poured the water upon the sacrifice and upon the wood. I think Elijah was trying to put an exclamation point to the, to the miracle that God was about to do. And so he says, put water on the sacrifice and prepare to burn uh, the sacrifice after the water has been placed upon it. Fire is going to fall from heaven. And of course, we can read through the scripture and we understand that the prophets of Baal began to cry out to Baal and began to say, Oh, Baal, hear us. And they cried until more, from morning until the evening. And they jumped upon the, the altar until the altar, of course, was breaking down. They cut themselves with lancets. They did all sorts of rituals trying to have their false god of Baal to hear their prayer and there still was no answer. And after they spent the day of jumping on the altars and all sorts of antics and, and activities and cutting themselves, that finally, finally they gave up. And in giving up, uh, Elijah steps up on the scene and Elijah prayed a very simple 53-word prayer. There was no jumping on the altars, there was no lancets, there was no cutting, there was no anything going on other than a simple 53-word prayer calling on Jehovah God. And at the conclusion of a 53-word prayer, the Bible says that fire fell down out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice, lapped up the water, and Jehovah God became known as the God of gods, the God of heaven. The prophet, of course, must have been on a spiritual high. He, of course, must have been pumped up something serious. It was better than winning the World Series. He was had to have been excited, you know. He has prayed a prayer. God has heard his prayer. God has answered his prayer. He is, he is excited. He is thrilled. God has come through again. I know how he feels every time God answers my prayer. That's 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 how I, I feel. I, I kind of like the song we sing once in a while every time I turn around he keeps making a way for me now Elijah was spiritually in tune and was spiritually sensitive enough to know and to hear what others could not see and others could not hear. There is another text in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 when Elijah once again is dealing with the issue and uh, he, he tells uh, Ahab, get up and eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Nobody else could hear the sound of rain. Understand, nobody else saw a cloud. 
nobody heard the sound of rain, but it was a prophet of God that comes along and he says, get up and get ready for I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Not just a little shower, but I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I, I thank God that he has to send a man once in a while into every one of our lives that kind of shakes us up in the middle of our time that we need an answer. And he says, I see something that you don't see. I hear something that you don't hear. I believe something that you don't believe. And I'm trusting that God is going to come through. And I want you to understand that the rain was an answer to prayer. The rain was an answer after sending the servant up the mountain seven times. On the seventh time, the servant comes back down and he says, I, I finally did see a little something. I, I can only imagine the servant being sent up the mountain and down the mountain. I, I, I'm not built for mountain climbing. I don't, the servant had to be in much better shape than I. Seven trips up a mountain and back down a mountain and uh, I'm not seeing anything. But on the seventh time he comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, I know this is nothing new to you Bible students. I, I know this is basic. This is simple. This is nothing that you have never read before. But perhaps you'll see this in a light that maybe you haven't seen it before. But when he comes down and the prophet had already said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. There's nothing in sight. Seven times he comes back. He says, well, I don't know about abundance, but I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now we all know that a cloud the size of a man's hand is not going to do too much. Now, whether it was a literal man's hand or whether it was a storm in a distance that the, the, the servant could lift his hand and it would block out the cloud would mean it was a very long way away. What's the chances that that storm would come and the rain would fall where it needed to fall? That the rain was going to come right in that location? Can, can I pause for a moment and tell you that's not the only time that God has ever supplied such a need? I could tell you a story that my dad tells and I've heard other people tell similar stories in times of drought that somebody, a prophet of God, a man of God spoke a word of faith and uh, there was a drought that was in the area of Texas where I grew up and dad was pastoring and there was a farmer in the church, a rancher in the church and all of the crops were being lost because of drought and they were faithful people of God and it had gone on for a long time Time and dad took a very bold step of faith on a bright, sunny summer day. And he looks at that man and he said, It's going to rain before nighttime. And everybody was like, whoa, that's pretty powerful. That's an awfully powerful word. Do you, are you sure that you want to stick with that? Or is there a joke coming at the end that you hope so? Dad walked away. He said, I didn't even know where it came from. I just spoke what God put in my spirit. And I spoke it's going to rain by, by sundown. It's going to rain today. And he said there wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no forecast of rain. He left. He said, I don't know where it came from other than from heaven. It didn't rain four miles up the road. It didn't rain four miles to the north, south, east, or west. But right where that farmer lived, there came a rain that afternoon that rained enough to, to save the crops that were in the field. 
I know that sounds like a simple little story to you. The prophet of God, Elijah, says, go up because I hear the sound of abundance of rain when there's nothing to be seen. And the, 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 the servant goes. He says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He comes back down. And when he tells Elijah, I see a cloud out of the sea the size of a man's hand, it was interesting to me that Elijah then turns and he says to him, prepare thy chariot, get down, that the rain stop thee not. Now, I've read this a hundred times, I guess. I, I have preached from it multiple times, but I want you to understand that the rain was an answer to prayer. It's what they were believing for. The rain was of a miraculous nature. The rain was of a, of a prophetic nature. The rain was what they were asking God for. It was what they were believing God for. The rain was exactly the miracle that they needed. But if we are not careful, we will allow the miracle of provision to hinder the miracle of promise. What we've got to understand was they were believing for rain, but the prophet was wise enough to tell him that same rain that's going to come and be the answer to your prayer could be the rain that prevents you from being able to do the job and the task that God has called you to do. Somebody in the house better understand that when you're praying and asking God for something and provision comes and the answer comes, you better not give up on God. Throw in the towel and get busy. It's easy to serve God when things are wrong. It's easy to serve God when you're in need, when your kids are lost, when you're broke, when you don't know what to do. But what are you going to do when everything's going good? When the rain comes, the prophet of God said, don't let the provision hinder you from doing what I'm asking you to do. I heard somebody say it one time, for every man that I've known to be Ruined by wealth, ruined by prosperity. He said, I've seen hundreds ruined by wealth. I'll tell you for every person that I have seen hindered by the struggle and hindered by the drought. I have seen dozens hindered by the provision. Sometimes we wonder, I, I pray to prayer, I don't understand why God is not answering. It may be because God is smarter than we are. And that God knows that we can't, we can't handle the answered prayer. And so God doesn't answer the prayer because he says the provision is going to hinder you. So until you learn the lesson of how to handle the provision, I'm going to leave you in the struggle, leave you in the drought, and let you go through it because I'm trying to teach something in you and work something in you that when the blessing comes and when the answer comes and when the check comes and when the promotion comes, you're going to be able to be faithful even in the good times. And when everything's going good, you're not going to get haughty, it up and built up in yourself. I've seen a lot of people able to teach lessons on submission until they get an authority. As soon as they get an authority, they lose all the submission that they've ever learned. I come tonight to remind you the provision of God very easily can be the hindrance to you fulfilling what God is calling you to do. Don't let your provision hinder your promise and your purpose. 
We can't afford to let anything stop us. We've all dealt with storm clouds. We've all had days of rain. We've all had tough times. We've all watched the circling cloud, a financial dilemma move in. We've all had the, seen the frightening faces of physical failure take its toll. We've experienced the effect of personal hardships and struggles, wounded relationships, interrupted lifestyles. We've all seen tough times financially, emotionally, and spiritually. None of us in this room tonight perhaps have been have been exempt from any of the trials and the tests. We've all been at the point when we've cried out to God in the midnight hour for an answer but it may be that your answer is held up. Because he knows that you're going to allow the answer to stop your pursuit of God. How many people have you known, have you been around that did good when they struggled? But as soon as the blessing of the Lord came, they became unfaithful. Mm, Ain't nobody going to help me preach tonight. We've been waiting for our promise to emerge, ready for us to possess. We've had some dark days and some dreary days with some storm clouds and some days of wandering and disillusionment. But I, I, and, I, and if I've seen it once, I've seen it dozens of times. People serve God through every hardship, every struggle, declare they'll never give up on God. But as soon as provision comes, as soon as the answer comes, as soon as the rain comes, they let anything and everything get in their way of receiving them real miracle that God is wanting to promise them. But we can't let the rain of provision hinder us from the possessing of the promise that God has really called us to. Come on somebody. It rains on all of us. But we cannot let the rain stop us. If you're a guest here tonight, pardon me for being a pester for a few minutes tonight. That's what I say when I'm pastoring in the pulpit. While I'm thanking God for the building, thanking God for the provision, the building is only a provision. The building is not the promise. I need to remind us once in a while that the building is not the apex. We rejoice over what God is providing, but we all we all must always be about what God did in the service this morning. You want to know what we're about? We're about souls being filled. We're about people being baptized like we're going to have here in just a little while. We're about people receiving their healing like they did this morning. We're about people receiving the baptism of the Spirit like they did this morning. A building is just a house, a place for us to gather to worship. We want it to be wonderful, grand, and lovely. But we are not a building. We are a church of the living God. I told you I'm going to pester for a minute. I appreciate you all. I thank God for all of your service. I thank thank God for everything that you do for the kingdom, everything you do around here, all of the positions that are held. Thank you and thank God for you and thank you for your sacrifices. I don't know of a church anywhere that works any harder than Christian Life Church. I was raised up in the church. I, I, I literally 
was three days old when I was in church my first time. All I've ever known was a church pew. I could probably count the number of services that I have missed on my fingers and toes in 48 years of living. I've been to a lot of churches in my lifetime. And I have never been part of a church that sacrifices anymore, works any harder, gives any more liberally, is any more dedicated than what this wonderful congregation is. I thank God for you. I thank God for your labor. I thank God for your financial support. I thank God we are doing things that others would say is impossible. When a people have a mind to work, no telling what's going to happen. When a people get a spirit of sacrifice, no telling what is going to happen. I thank you for everything that you do, for every area that you work. But please allow me to make this point very clear tonight. There is nothing going on during service. No job so demanding. No position so important. No work that is so taxing that it should keep us from being involved, being present, and engaging in the service that we have come to be part of. This is spiritual work. Can I go ahead and take my liberty tonight? I I remember when I was a much younger man being in Indianapolis at Calvary Tabernacle. And I remember Bishop Urshan walking through the foyer when it was full of people during worship service. And he walked through the foyer and he started calling them by name. And he said, are you or somebody in your family, what is the problem? And they kind of looked at him funny, is somebody dying? And they kind of looked at him funny. He said, church is going on inside. And he walked on around and he kind of had me, he was leading me around that big open foyer. And we went from one side of the platform all the way around to the other side. By the time he got to the other side, the church had grown by a hundred people. Because the bishop had walked in and he had let them know church is going on. Now pardon me for being a little old school tonight, but I think that I think that our church service is more important than our fellowshipping. Thank you for whatever you're doing. Don't let anything keep you from being present in the house of God and engaging in what God is doing. We have ushers ushering and greeters that are greeting, but nothing is more important than being in the house of God. There's not a musical instrument that is too important that they can't leave their post and fill up this altar. There's not a microphone that is too important that they can't lay it down to get in this altar to pray, to seek God. I don't want a church that feels like i got to have my little position tonight. I want a spiritual people that is able to say, hey, God wants to move. The Holy Ghost is wanting to work. Work through me, God. I don't want the blessing of opportunity to hinder me from what you are wanting to do through me. We can't let anything get in the way of our worship and of a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. I thank God for what He's doing in this church, but we can't let anything get in the way of the revival that has been promised us. Don't forget about the revival that has been promised us. Don't forget about what God done on the last Sunday in January. 
when a lady fell dead in the front of this building and God miraculously raised her up because nobody was leaving. Nobody was worried about lunch. We were worried about one thing. Our sister had fallen dead and it looked like she wasn't going to live. They said people were laid out in the floor in the foyer in Sunday school rooms. In this room, people prayed until 2.30 in the afternoon when the report came back. The doctor said there is no heart attack. They can't find what happened. And then we began to rejoice. Don't take it lightly. God was proving himself. But don't let his provision hinder our purpose and our future. I believe God performed that miracle so that it could be told abroad, so that people could hear about it. I believe God's healed some of you, touched some of you, blessed your finances, worked in your life so that you have a testimony, so that when somebody else is going through a test, you can share that testimony. Now, now, now I was careful I'm glad it's just us and some guests here tonight. And if you're a guest, you may not know what I'm getting ready to talk about tonight. I was very careful with what I said when I addressed the congregation at our late bishop's funeral. Because there were some people here that would not rejoice over what I'm about to share with you. Sometimes it's better to be wise and silent than to be right and hurt yourself with negative people that aren't going to rejoice over what God's doing. Just before Bishop Price passed away, He called me to his bedside. A few days afterward, he confirmed it by calling my wife to his bedside. And the same words that he said to me, he shared with her. He called me to his bedside. And he told me. Now, I know I told you that you're building too small. And I've shared that with you before, and we've laughed over it. And we said, I understand, Brother Price. All I need is some money. We'll build bigger. We're doing the best we can with what we have to work with. And he said, Brother Jordan, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. God's going to provide. He would just, that's, that's all he would say, God's going to provide. But then he went on, and this is the part that I did not share because I knew there were some people here that would mock and would laugh at the faith that I am about to speak to you tonight. He said that God showed him that he was going to raise up CLC. I'm going to use his words now to be a mega church. This was his words, not mine. To be a mega church. He said God showed him a multicultural congregation. With over a thousand people worshiping. 
in the location that we're building on. He said, Brother Jordan, it wasn't the building that you're building. He said, I hope you're in the will of God. I said, Bishop, we're in the will of God because it is a step to get to where we're going to. Because when we build the next one, we'll build larger because demand is going to force us to build larger. This isn't my words. I'm just sharing with you what the bishop said. And he said, and there was a choir singing that was the size of the congregation that we have now. Now that speaks to some of you tonight. But this morning in the service, just after the Lord touched the young lady and, and filled her with the Holy Ghost, Brother Jeremy Newcomer came by. I'm standing right over here. I knew he was in the Holy Ghost when he spoke to me. He came over to where I'm at. I believe I got it real close, Brother Jeremy, to what you said to me. He said, Pastor, they will come from all around this region to receive a miracle and they will be filled with the Holy Ghost. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let all things be accomplished. I come tonight to tell you that the provision that God has given this church shall not hinder the purpose of us winning the loss. I hear the sound of revival in the forecast. I feel in the spirit tonight. I see a revival of souls. The greatest revival hasn't happened yet. It's coming. The greatest harvest hasn't coming yet. It's happening in our future. I know we're going to be busy over the next several months. I know we're going to be busy building a building for the next 16 or 18 months. We, some of us look at it and we think, oh, Lord, I know we're going to be busy with it. I know we're going to get tired. I know we're going to be weary. But in the middle of this building project is the time that we need to have the greatest revival this church has ever had. We've got to start praying for it. Somebody says, I can't show up to work, Pastor. How about you showing up for prayer? How about you calling a group together for prayer and saying, let's pray together. I heard our youth and young adults are coming together for prayer. On Friday night, I think it is. We're going to have revival in our young adults. We're going to have revival in our student ministry. We're going to have revival in every aspect of the church. Does anybody feel what I feel tonight? Does anybody see what I see in the spirit tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, just lift up your hands where you are and thank the Lord. Come on, just thank Him for a moment. I won't be much longer. I just want to make one more point. Elijah was spiritually sensitive enough to hear what nobody else could hear. And he was wise enough to speak a word of warning about the, the impending rain 
and the potential to stop it. The rain came and it provided the need. I'm no Elijah. I'm just a servant of the Lord. And I said before I began tonight, perhaps God spoke it into my spirit so I could speak it into your spirit. Because I'm just happy to be part of what God is doing. I refuse to allow anything to stop us. The enemy would like to find a way to hinder you, to sidetrack you, to get you too busy, to get you too, too, too covered up. He'd like to offend you. He'd like, I'm not just talking to him now, I'm just using him for an example. The enemy would like to get you so sidetracked that you couldn't care less about revival. You're too busy for revival. You're too busy to teach a Bible study. You're too busy to invest any more time. I've got other things that are more important. There is nothing any more important than winning a soul. We had guests here this morning. We had a family here this morning from South Dakota. My wife introduced them. I didn't even know until I met them out in the congregation. Thank you, Sister Newcomer. Sister Newcomer, she's, she's working a job and witnessing to everybody that comes. She brought a lady this morning. They got the Holy Ghost. The other family came as a result of them communicating with her and her inviting them to come here from Lafayette. Well, who's going to want to drive from Lafayette to Frankfurt to church, particularly when they don't know anything about what's going on in the church? They will. I heard somebody say one time, a church alive is worth the drive. I don't know. But I'm not going to be part of some dead, dried, plucked up by the root church that doesn't have the fire of the Holy Ghost working. I want to be part of a church that's on fire. If we get too busy to pray, we're too busy. If we get too covered up to be able to witness, we are too covered up. We've got to, you know what we've got to do? I, I talked to a man this week, came by the truckload sale. I was talking with him, and I told him this week, I said, we are an evangelistic church, and the Lord just, you are? Seems like you're a truckload selling church, fundraising church, a building building church. You're a fellowshipping church. You're a church-loving church. And while I was standing talking to him, I don't even, I barely caught his name because the Lord was just sitting there just. As I was telling him what an evangelistic church we are. And then I found myself saying, well, you know, we don't do some of these things quite as much as what we used to. Here's what I'm telling you tonight. Not everybody has the ability to drive a nail. Not everybody has the ability to be able to get out and work with your hands. But everybody's got the ability to get involved in something. And I know you're busy, and I know several of you are busy. And as a matter of fact, some of the busiest people in this church are the busiest people in the church. They say give a job to a busy person because they know how to get things done. And if we use we're too busy for an excuse to not be part of what's going on, we have gotten ourselves too busy. 
But I want to tell you in the next six months, we're about halfway into this year. We're almost halfway through. Wow. But in the second half of this year, I'm going to, in, in the next two or three weeks, I'm going to be speaking some halftime transitions into you about th- what the next half of this year is going to look like. I spoke it at the beginning of the year and we didn't fulfill it. Like any good coach that may not be fulfilling the expectations that they wanted from the beginning. Let me tell you what the second half of the year is going to look like. We must become more evangelistic than we have ever been. You know why? Because 50 people were killed last night. You know why? Because people are dying lost without God. You know why? Because the world doesn't have the answer. But Jesus is the answer. We have the answer. And we've got to take it to them. We've got to get out in the street. We've got to evangelize. We've got to witness. We've got to do a work for the Lord before it's too late. We can't let the blessing of provision hinder the promise of God. Elijah heard what nobody else heard. John had the spiritual intuition to recognize the voice of God for what it was. How is it that some people sit through the same choir singing, the same praise team, the same songs, the same sermon, and when they leave, they're like, hmm, bunch of noise. When somebody else leaves and says, I got my miracle got my answer in John chapter 12 Jesus was dealing with the reality of his humanity and his impending death he says now is my soul troubled but what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this cause came I to this hour father glorify my name then came there a voice out of heaven saying I have both glorified it and will glorify it again verse 29 of John chapter 12 the people that stood by Heard it. What did they hear? They heard the voice of God. The people that stood by heard it and said, it thundered. Others said, an angel must have spoken. But John had the spiritual intuition. To hear what everybody else thought was thunder. And he said, I heard the voice of God. (laughs) Don't get so sidetracked with the provision that you allow it to hinder the promise and the purpose that God is calling you. We're all here tonight. Things are going great. Families are going good. People are being blessed. You're getting pay raises and job promotions. Families are doing better. God is blessing you. Don't get caught up with the provision. Don't wait until midnight comes. Don't wait until the storm comes. Don't wait until it gets... So bad that you have to run to the church because you have nowhere else to turn to. How about getting some faithfulness in your life and declaring, you know what, this is the day of salvation. (laughs) 
Come on, serve him while it's day because night's coming when no man's going to be able to serve him. It's, this would be a good time for somebody tonight to declare, you know what? I want to be part of what's going on in this church. I want to get plugged in. I don't want the provision in my life to hinder me from what God is wanting to do in my life. Come on, all over this room, why don't you stand to your feet right now? Receive the word of God all over this room right now. Let's turn this house into a prayer room. If you feel like lifting your hands, lift your hands. But everybody ought to talk to Jesus for a moment. God's providing for you. God is blessing you. But it's time for revival. It's time for revival. Somebody ought to respond to what God is speaking into your spirit right now. Come on, I'm not going to get sidetracked. Just you and Jesus for a moment. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice with those hands right now. Lift up your voice with those hands right now. Let's engage just for a moment and, and see what happens. Engage just for a moment and see what happens. God is wanting to minister to you tonight. I open these altars right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.